Well, as we are both battling assorted ailments and sore throats and stuffy noses, this may be a shorter episode and we probably sound a little bit different, but we're going to get back into the NFL. And as it's almost Christmas, it's NBA. We have Andrew. Now that the basketball season is starting, we're going to get a quick update on where we're at in the association and then maybe get you prepped for the bowl games. And uh, to end the show, talk a little bit about UFC 269. What a fantastic card that was, depending on how you felt about the results, but all in all, a great card. So four topics. We're going to move here pretty quick in this week's episode. We're going to look at where we're at in the NFL. And uh, just to get it out of the way, I have zero desire to talk about Urban Meyer. But Andrew, if you have any uh, opining on the Urban Meyer situation to do, this is uh, we'll open that up. I have zero desire as well. Uh, There's not a lot that needs to be said. We all saw it coming. That's about all that needs to be said. All I've I've heard this week, and as we're recording this shortly after the big news, yeah, I'm already tired of talking about it or hearing about it. So thank you. You're welcome. We'll stay in the AFC as we're alluding to the Jaguars here. One of the three teams eliminated from playoff contention. The last time we talked, I think we were only about nine or ten games into the season. And it's interesting to see how some of the teams have changed radically, whether good or bad. Looking at the top of the AFC, uh, two teams, probably not all that surprising, both riding hot streaks. Uh, The Patriots leading the AFC, a seven-game winning streak, and the Chiefs with a six-game winning streak. you got the Titans hanging tough in there as a division leader, and then what I would say is the shakiest division leader in the Ravens. So there's your top four division leaders right now. Basically, if we take the past month into consideration, how do you feel about your top of the AFC? I don't feel much different than I did the last time that we uh, talked about the AFC. I feel like uh, the AFC is still the weaker conference, the weaker conference for sure, and that our Super Bowl champion is going to come from the NFC. Uh, it's it's going to be a hotly contested race, and uh, there's a big game tonight that I'm sure we'll talk about between the Chargers and the the chiefs that could decide a lot of things as well. Um, but it's going to be an interesting race just to see who our seven teams are that make it in the AFC. So your one seed right now would be the Patriots, Titans, two chiefs, three Ravens, four, the chargers, the Colts and the bills getting those uh, five, six, seven wild card positions. But like you mentioned, it is so wide open other than those three bottom feeders that are already eliminated. There's only three games separating first from 13th in the AFC, which is crazy to me. It either means everybody's competitive and there's parity or everybody's just kind of meh. But there's a team out there that I don't know that I've heard anybody talk about. And we were all very down on them early in the year, a huge disappointment. But they've won five straight, and that's the Miami Dolphins. Sitting there at six and seven, I still think it'd be a shock for them to get in the playoffs. But I think this is a fun feel-good story for them to kind of slowly be turning things around. The defense, as we expect with Brian Flores, is hanging right in there. They need to find some offense. They need to find a quarterback. I don't even know how that's going to end the rest of this season. But the Dolphins are getting hot at the right time. Do not sleep on Miami, especially given that my beloved Buffalo Bills are struggling. I I do not know what's going on with Buffalo. They were in my playoff team. I was all in on Josh Allen. I finally jumped on the Josh Allen bandwagon. And now they're stumbling and can't beat a team that throws the ball three times. So looking at that AFC East, the Bills are struggling and watch out for the Dolphins coming. They've had a pretty uh, cupcake schedule, and I believe they have the Jets this week as another gimme for them before it uh, toughens up at the end of the season. Yeah, I really like the Dolphins and the turnaround that they've made. 
And you're right. The bills, the wheels seem to be coming off on the bills. It's a, it's an interesting place to be in. Uh, Miami still has to have a lot of things happen in their favor though, to make it in. So uh, it's been an incredible run, but we'll see if they can complete it. I believe they have the Jets, then they go to New Orleans. New Orleans isn't good, but it is in Louisiana, so that helps. The Dolphins do end at the Titans and against the Patriots, so it may depend if the Patriots are up to resting people at that point in time. The Titans, I think we've all kind of been waiting on the Titans to fall apart without Derrick Henry and not really knowing how deep this team is, but they're hanging right in there and really earning that two seed. I think the Chiefs will eventually ta- overtake them, despite my prediction that the Chiefs were going to miss the playoffs. I'm... I'd like to backpedal from that stance, seeing the way they've played the last month. But the Ravens are the ones. Can I just, just a blanket question. Is the AFC North just bad? Can we just admit that the AFC North is not good? We know the Steelers, as long as Big Ben's kind of over the hill, they're not going to be a contender. Lamar Jackson threw four interceptions and they still beat the Browns. The Browns and the Bengals are completely different teams, depending on the week. I just, I, I want to put zero stock in anybody out of the AFC North. I see what you're saying, but they're not bad. Um, they're not a, a bad division. They're a very fun, very entertaining dis- division. I don't think we have a Super Bowl champion from that division, but it is a very fun and entertaining division. I think you have just a lot of meh teams in a division, and that's why it's so close. Uh, but it's definitely not as bad as like the bottom of the AFC South or anything like that. So... Uh, I'm not going to go ahead and go ahead and call that division bad. It's just more meh. They're just kind of there. All four teams are just kind of there. And they're kind of average, slightly above average sometimes. You mentioned the AFC South. That may explain part of why Tennessee is sitting so pretty when you get to feast on the Texans and Jaguars. And then the Colts are another one of those. Are they good? Are they not good? They were bad. But we've got Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. having great years to go along with the pretty stout defense. The Colts are a team I really wish I could get behind. They strike me as a team that could get hot, win on wildcard weekend, upset a Baltimore in like a four or five game, or maybe stun the Titans in an interdivisional playoff game. But I, I really want to like the Colts. I just, I think it's the Carson Wentz factor that not really being sure what shape he will be in come playoff that holds me away from the Colts. Yeah, I can't, I can't get behind a team that is rolling with Carson Wentz as their quarterback it's really tough for me to get behind as well. So that's the only thing that gives me pause. Jonathan Taylor is an absolute machine uh, and has been ever since Derrick Henry went down. Unfortunately, Derrick Henry going down deprived us of a really good rushing battle between two AFC South running backs that we had going on before uh, Derrick Henry went down. So I, uh, think Jonathan Taylor deserves some MVP consideration. He's not going to win it, um, but I think he serves some consideration for the season that he's had. So let's see. They've got four, four more games to play, correct? 17-game schedule? Yep, 17-game schedule. So he's at 13.50 right now. I was doing a quick math to see what he would need to do to get to 2,000 yards, which I know we're going to say is diluted now that they had an extra game, but he's at, he's at 13.50 with four games left, so he's not quite on pace to getting an 1,800-yard season. There's still nothing to shake a stick at. But seeing if Mr. Taylor could easily get to 2,000. He's going to need some historic performances if he's going to reach that mark, though. Absolutely. Um, I don't think he's going to reach that mark, but it's been a great season, and uh, I think he's going to end up right around that 1,800-yard mark, and 
uh, 20 plus touchdowns and yeah, he's, he's been a great season, great season for Jonathan Taylor. You alluded to it earlier, our Thursday night football game, the chargers and the, why am I suddenly blanking on who they're playing? The chiefs chargers and chiefs. I would, I would love to see the chargers do this, but I think we've discussed before that chargers are not allowed to have good things, whatever, ever back to the Phillip Rivers and the Danian Tomlinson and probably even before then, no matter how good the Chargers are, they're just never allowed to get over the hump. I would love to see them make this happen. I think I've been convinced that Justin Herbert's the real deal. Keenan Allen, I believe, is healthy. That a lot of guys, including Keenan Allen and potential COVID protocol. But I think Mr. Allen is back. I would love to see the Chargers do it. Just Chiefs in prime time strikes me as a, a dangerous proposition. It definitely is a dangerous proposition for the Chargers. And I'm not believing in them. I do think tonight's going to be just an absolute shootout. So it should be a very entertaining game to watch while I'm sitting on my couch and uh, and hanging out. Um, I'm taking the over in that game as high as it is. It was 53 and a half when I took it. Yeah. And I'm taking the over on points. I think uh, this thing has a chance to get to 60 combined points yeah. pretty easily. Give me, give me like a 33-31 in favor of the Chiefs. I feel like the Chargers are going to have the lead in the fourth, and then because it's the Chargers, the Chiefs will get him with like a touchdown with a minute left. Yeah, I think I like your 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 sixty point line. Yeah, I think this thing is going into into the sixties. So it's fifty three and a half right now. Uh, maybe has been bet up, and I think uh, I think that's a good bet if you're uh, if you're betting fool bet on the over in that game and we're going to flip over here to the nfc uh, only one team mathematically eliminated and that's the detroit lions so you have 15 other teams here duking it out for nfc playoff positions as it stands right now we have the oh, clicked on the wrong screen my apologies you have andrews packers number one the buccaneers at two cardinals three Cowboys, Rams, the 49ers. Everybody wanted to fire Shanahan a month ago, and now the 49ers in the playoffs. So it's one, two, three, four, five. And then am I I seeing this right? Washington in? Or is my source inaccurate? You're seeing this right. The the seventh seed right now is the Washington football team somehow? Yes. It's because Minnesota has completely fallen apart, uh, losing to the Lions. Just – the wheels are coming off in Minnesota, and I think uh, we can expect to see them not in the playoffs this year. And this is the last season for Zimmer, for sure. Uh, and that's why we've got Washington in that seventh spot there. Really, we've got the door open for two NFC East teams in the playoffs, and it's all because Minnesota has fallen apart. Yeah, I don't. It's laughable to me that Washington is in there because I've been a Viking apologist, not really a fan. I just expected a lot more of them. So I keep holding out a candle that the Vikings are going to get it right. But this just feels like five really good teams, the lines at the bottom, and then everybody else can beat anybody at any given weekend. I feel like the Seahawks should be better than five and eight. They've won two in a row. If Russell Wilson's healthy, they may make a late season push here. The Panthers are done. They're just still have a respectable record after the early year. Saints don't have a quarterback. Falcons don't have a defense. The Eagles are young. The Vikings, as you mentioned, are falling apart. 
Washington has a lot of injuries on that defense. Chase Young out for the year, I believe, with his injury. Taylor Heineke is a fun little story, having a decent year for them, more than more than you ex- expect from somebody who came out of nowhere, but good for Mr. Heineke. Just, I feel like the AFC is far more wide open. The NFC, I think, is wide open amongst those five teams. I don't see Washington or Sam Fran or the Eagles suddenly getting hot and challenging the Packers, Bucks, Cards, Cowboys, or Rams. Yeah, and I think you're right. And I think there's even maybe a little bit of a gap from the top three down to uh, four and five. Um, I would put Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and Arizona above Dallas and the Rams um, in a class of their own. So I think uh, I think Dallas and the, and the Rams are pseudo contenders, but not real contenders. And the NFC representative and eventual Super Bowl champion is going to be one of Green Bay, Tampa Bay, or Arizona. What is what? Why don't you love the Cowboys? Uh, I'm not a believer in what uh, Dak has done lately. Um, I don't really think that their defense is is as good as it's been hyped to be, and they've uh, they've choked away a couple games in some close situations, and I think that's gonna rear its ugly head. Um, also, I'm I'm hesitant to believe in a Mike McCarthy coach team fulfilling his full potential in uh, January and February. I've seen that uh, fall apart too many times. Uh, from personal experience as a Packers fan to put any stock or any faith in the Dallas Cowboys. So let's let's say your Packers had a first round bye. So you'd get the Bucks versus the uh, WFT. Who are you taking in that one? Uh, the Bucks easily. Okay. And that would get us a 3-6 matchup between ooh, some NFC West foes, the Cardinals and 49ers. Yep, we'll, we'll take the Cardinals there. And your four or five, I think this is the juiciest matchup. You would have Cowboys and Rams. And I think I like these teams far more than you do. I don't trust the Cardinals quite yet. I think they've been impressive with what Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury have put together there. The defense has really improved this year. But I just, I'm not totally sold on them compared to the veteran laden teams we have on the other side. But I digress. Anyway, Cowboys, Rams, your four or five. Yeah, and I would I would take the Cowboys slightly over the Rams. I'm not super confident. It's 50-50. It's a coin toss. Slightly favoring the Cowboys there. So you'd have the Cheeseheads versus the Cowboys in your 1-4. Yep. So you're taking your Packers. Yep. And then your 2-3, you get your Bucks and your Cardinals. I would have to take the experience of Tampa Bay. And Bucks Pack, which I believe is a rematch of last year's rematch. Only this time Lambeau will be full to capacity. Um, I think I will take the Packers in that scenario. Yeah, and I I don't I don't not like the Packers, and they've clearly proven everybody wrong. They can score basically at will. The defense I think is getting healthy. It'll be a big thing for them to get the defense healthy by the playoffs. But for me, I think it's the Packers and the Rams. Those are the two that I like. I think the Rams are good enough. Matt Stafford has shown that he's the real deal. I think he and Tom Brady are my top two MVP picks right now. Just you look at the numbers and they're both putting up fantastic years. Yes, I understand the appreciation for Mr. Rogers performance, but it's between Brady and Stafford for my MVP selection. Those are the two teams I like. I kind of agree with you. It's Dallas. It's always tough to trust Dallas and Mike McCarthy, but I'm, I think it's Packers Rams and then the Bucks would be my third pick to mix in there. And that's just it. The NFC 
really seems to fall off a cliff there after even the top five. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely, it's definitely off a cliff after that fifth spot. Those are the five teams. It's just, I put a little more faith in the top three than the four and the five. Um, The Rams have just been maddeningly inconsistent to me as well. I don't know what Rams team is going to show up from week to week. And that's what frustrates me with them and why I can't put a lot of faith in them. That's what I get of being concerned about that team needing to gel and work as a team. But I also like where they just go veterans. They don't care about young guys. They don't care about draft picks. Go find me all the veteran proven winners and we'll put them on one team. It's like it's assembling the Avengers is what they're doing. They definitely tried. Um, Green Bay was able to make pretty easy work. I know the score says Green Bay only won by eight, but that, uh, that game was not all that close in all actuality. Um, so I, I think they've definitely tried to turn it around, but, uh, they're not really true contenders. I have, I have a couple, uh, you pick one, uh, going to give you three options. You pick the one you want. You're, you're building your franchise. you got your GM hat on. Okay. You get one of three quarterbacks. Do you want Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, or Kyler Murray? You're, you're building for the next 10 years. I want Justin Herbert. I, I don't really think that's much of a question. Uh, I, I know people like the dual threat of Kyler Murray. Uh, I understand the allure of Joe Burrow, but man, this past Sunday, that throw, that 60-something that yard bomb from uh, Justin Herbert where he was throwing it kind of on the run, and just kind of bombed it, and he looked like he has more of a cannon than Patrick Mahomes. It was just super impressive. I would rather have the arm talent of Justin Herbert over the running ability of Kyler Murray, who gets hurt a little bit. There's some durability concerns there. Definitely some durability concerns with Joe Burrow, but that's kind of because of his offensive line, but I've been able to see what Justin Herbert can do, and, and I think I would rather have Herbert the most out of those three. Who do you want as your number one receiver? DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, or Jamar Chase? I chose those three because they are the leading wide receivers in yardage from each of the last three draft classes as of right now. I think I would take uh, Justin Jefferson at this point in their careers. Interesting. Uh, D- DK Metcalf is a little too up and down. Um, I've seen, uh, Jamar Chase have a couple drops that I don't think, um, should happen in a true legit number one wide receiver. He's been really good, but I think I would take Justin Jefferson. He's consistent. He doesn't drop anything. He's a good route runner. Uh, reminds me a little of Devonte Adams type stuff with the, some of the stuff that he does. Uh, he's not quite on that level of being as good as Devonte Adams, but, uh, of those three, I think I would take Justin Jefferson. And lastly, we're going to get you some defensive talent. Miles Garrett, TJ Watts, or Nick Bosa? TJ Watt. Um, I've seen him play a lot. Uh, he's just absolutely unblockable. Um, yeah, there's, there's nothing you can do to block TJ Watt. Uh, I've seen it. He's changed games. He, uh, he won that game against the Ravens. He made Lamar 
have a little hitch in his giddy up on a two point conversion try that really won the game for the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers would not be six six and one without TJ Watt. Uh, they would definitely be already eliminated from postseason contention without TJ Watt. So give me TJ Watt uh, every time in that in that scenario. I, I think that is the right choice. He was my defensive player of the year pick, and I feel a little bit more confident that than I do Josh Allen as the MVP. Yeah, I think uh, TJ Watt as defensive player of the year is pretty well locked up at this point. Uh, Josh Allen as MVP, uh, sorry on that one, buddy. I, I don't think that's going to cash for you if you made any bets in Vegas. Well, hey, you hit, you hit 500 in the majors. You're the greatest player ever. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Uh, so I think you're 50-50 on that. Anything else in your NBA? NBA, what are we talking about? Anything else in your NFL uh, script before we move on to the, the hoop ball? You said MVP right now. You're you're down to Brady and Stafford. They're my leading two, but it changes about every two weeks. Yeah, and I've heard, I've heard Rodgers is in the conversation as well uh, from national pundits, so – I don't know if uh, he'll be given back-to-back MVP awards. His season this year has been pretty good, not as impressive as last year. Um, if there's a year to go a non-quarterback, I think this is the year. Um, why not Cooper Cup for some consideration for Cooper Cup, the amazing season that he's having. Uh, he seems to be all everything for the Rams offense and Stafford's number one target. Um, I think if we're going to go a non-quarterback, this is the year, and maybe Cooper Cup is a guy that deserves some consideration there. I'm all for that, but I feel like the argument is going to be, oh, he does that because Stafford's so good and the system allows him to do it. Never Kind of like Debo Samuel, like, oh, Debo Samuel's good, but it's because Shanahan develops this offense that utilizes him. I feel like those guys never quite get the credit they deserve. It's always, oh, it's the quarterback or the coach. So, okay, maybe maybe there's other individual talents. But, yes, I am, I am pro non-quarterback MVPs. Yeah, but I, I think we're going to end up with a quarterback MVP, and you're right, it's probably going to be old man Brady um, for who knows what reason, really, because uh, his receivers do most of the work for him. But uh, – Anyways, that's a, that's another story for another gonna, day. Is as it is almost Christmas, and we're almost almost or at thirty games in to the uh, NBA season, depending on who you are. The, the The season is starting now. We can the the preseason NBA, the November December that nobody cares about except for Andrew is done. I did I watched like my first NBA almost full game this week, and it was the fantastic Lakers Mavericks or. Not fantastic if you're a Mavericks fan, but some random dude I'd never heard of in this beautifully designed play in overtime, hitting the three at the buzzer to win it for the Lakers was that was fun. I'm I'm I do not hide my LeBron Laker fandom, and they've risen to six in the West. So that was a great game to watch. That was a great game last night. I was watching that game uh, very intently, and um, that was Austin Reeves who hit the three there. He's a he's a rookie. A uh, little known rookie from Oklahoma, uh, and uh, he's been pretty solid and pretty consistent. He's part of the rotation with uh, injuries and COVID and things of that nature. And you're right, the Lakers have risen to six, and they're above that cutoff line for the for the play-in tournament. And that's kind of where they need to stay. Uh, they don't want to find themselves in that play-in tournament again this year. 
And I know I've railed against the stupidity of the adding the nine, 10 seats to the playoffs. NBA playoffs are already too big with the seven and eights who are usually not good. But the Western Conference knows they're supposed to be the good conference, right? You've got the sub-500 Timberwolves and Kings, both in those 9-10 spots right now. The West is supposed to be the good one. The East is supposed to be where the 30 and 50 teams make the playoffs. I think there's just a lot of teams that are closer in the East between um, once you start getting down in that 7 to to 12 range. Um, I, I still think the West is the good conference. Obviously, they have the two great teams with Golden State, Phoenix at the top. And that kind of skews the standings a little bit. Um, I think it's fine. I think it's fine that there's uh, some some 500 teams potentially in the playoffs. They're not much of a threat. But um, I think the East is really competitive. It's a lot like the AFC and, and the NFL. The East is very competitive. Not a lot of separation from 5 to 10 in there. I am ready for the Nets and the Bucks to just destroy everybody in the playoffs until they meet in the conference finals. I'm, I, I, think, I think that's exactly what we're going to get as long as both of those teams are as healthy as they can be. I, I keep waiting for the Bulls, the Cavs, and or the Hornets to all just completely implode, and here they are hanging in there. At least they're all in the top six right now. And you can chalk that up to issues that the Sixers are having the Hawks, the Celtics, the Raptors, and what the heck is happening with the Knicks, all these teams, whether those teams are struggling or these other teams are the real deals, the East is close but also feels a little topsy-turvy. Yeah, definitely topsy-turvy. I expected more out of the Knicks in the preseason. I expected them to be in that top four. Their defense has not been there, which has been surprising. Their defense has really taken a step back. They They've taken Kemba Walker out of their rotation kind of unexplainably. And um, things just aren't going as well for Thibodeau in New York. They've had COVID issues now, but everybody's having COVID issues right now. The Bulls specifically are having tons of COVID issues, uh, so much so that some of their games are getting postponed and things of that nature. But I think the Bulls really are maybe that third or fourth team in there. I don't know the Cavs thing is going to last. They've been a fun team to watch. I've watched a few of their games. They've got that three-headed monster inside, and it's been kind of uh, interesting and fun to watch. Um, I don't know if it can continue. I think Miami is going to overtake the Cavs at some point. Right now, they're in the fifth spot right behind Cleveland, but I think Miami is going to be kind of that fourth team in there. And then uh, the Hornets... They've had their issues as well, but they're a fun and exciting team. I didn't quite expect them to be here, uh, but I definitely expected them to be in playoff contention with as good as they were last year. Yeah, the Heat are the team to me that I trust, probably because it's a familiar commodity that if somebody's going to steal a game or a series from the Nets or the Bucks, I just trust the Heat because we've seen them do it before. All the rest of these teams are questionable commodities in my eyes. Yeah, they can they can absolutely do that when healthy, and they have not been healthy recently, but uh, they've still been able to crank out wins uh, because Kyle Lowry is, has played well and rejuvenated, and uh, Tyler Hero has looked more like himself from a couple of years ago, Duncan Robinson, but they really need Bam and, and Jimmy back and healthy, and they don't have that right now. 
Um, but you're right. They could give either the Nets or the Bucks a run for their money when they're at that full strength. And going out west, you've got the Warriors, not shocking at the top. The Suns and their historic winning streak. It's fun to see the Suns be good. I think there was a lot of narrative talk around them of, hey, they had the one good year and it was fun. And now they go back to mediocrity and they're saying, no, we're going to hang. We're the real deal. So it's cool to see them be contenders. How about the Jazz? We kind of knew they'd be good, but they've won eight straight as we're recording this. So they're in there 20 and seven. So those three really seems to be distancing themselves from the pack. I'm not worried about the Lakers. Lakers and Clippers, they're at five and six right now. I think they're both going to be fine. They'll just get into the playoffs. The Grizzlies, pretty impressive. They're hanging around fourth. I thought they may be on that cusp of that eight, nine. Really impressed with them. Uh, the Mavericks that everybody but me seems to love. The team I'm really worried about is the Nuggets. What's going on with the Nuggets at 14 and 14 at this point in the season? I expected them to easily be in that top four conversation. So whether or not it's injuries or what it may be, I think Jokic has been healthy all year. So you think that would give them quite the leg up. So what's... What's wrong with Jokic, Jokic has been mostly healthy. I think they miss Jamal Murray quite a bit. Um, they really leaned on Jamal Murray before he got hurt last year, and they need him back. They're going to get him back at some point in the new year, post-Christmas, and I think that's going to really change this team. But they're going to have to go on a little bit of a run. Um, I don't think some of the pieces have, have meshed quite as well as they had hoped. They're expecting bigger and bigger things out of Michael Porter Jr., and that really hasn't happened so far this year. Um, so it's really just been Jokic trying to carry the load, and he hasn't been able to do it on its on his own. Um, so they're going to need Jamal Murray to come back, and maybe that will unlock and boost Michael Porter Jr. because he can kind of move into that third option, which he is maybe better suited for rather than having to be a 1B with Jokic and another team in that same boat I don't know if these exactly match up but seems a little bit too coincidental that the Blazers fire their GM and president of basketball operations and they've now lost seven in a row a team that we kind of thought would be right around 500 maybe a, a another low playoff seed but as long as Damian Lillard's there you kind of expect the Blazers to at least be a playoff contender and they have not looked good here in the last month Again, losing seven in a row and one of nine in their last 10. So Portland has got a lot of work to do if they have postseason aspiration, aspirations and to keep the league's longest playoff streak alive. Yeah, and Portland uh, did lose C.J. McCollum to that collapsed long, and that is a big loss for Portland. Uh, he's kind of Damian Lillard's running mate, and he can kind of carry it, carry the scoring load on the nights when Dame is not shooting so hot, which has been a lot lately. Um, Dame says everything's fine there uh, with him and Chauncey Billups. I'm not sure if I believe him. I kind of wonder if this is a landing spot for Ben Simmons. I wonder uh, if we get like a McCollum for Simmons kind of deal. I think it'd be kind of a funky fit, but I think it. Um, I've heard some rumors of McCollum for Simmons deals between uh, Philly and Portland, and we'll see how, what comes to that, if anything. Uh, ben Simmons is definitely getting traded. It's just a matter of who he's getting traded to. Trade him to the Knicks straight up for Kemba. Uh, uh, that would work financially. Um, I don't think that's really the package that uh, Philly's looking for. They're 
um, I and a star player and maybe some draft picks in return for Ben Simmons. I don't know how much they can really demand at this point, um, but I don't think an aging Kemba is what uh, Philly's going to go for. Um, I think it's going to be Portland or, or Sacramento, maybe some pieces from Sacramento or something like that. Um, that's really going to attract Philly in a Ben Simmons trade package. Uh, be interesting to see how it shakes out. You definitely know both sides are going to be better off. The Sixers clearly don't want him around. He doesn't want to be there. So addition by subtraction on both sides. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. Um, definitely needs a change of scenery. Ben Simmons does and Philly needs to move on. So it could be good for both parties. What else do us peripheral NBA fans up to this point in the season need to know? Well, you mentioned Memphis. Uh, they've been uh, without John Morant and they're going to be without John Morant for a while, but uh, they've kind of filled in seamlessly with Tyus Jones and things. And uh, I think they're, uh, they're real and they're going to finish in that top six. Um, so Memphis is kind of a fun team to watch. Utah is sitting at number three right now behind Phoenix and Golden State. I think by the end of the season, Utah is going to be in that number one seed. I think they were last year. I think they're going to be back there. I really do think they are the most complete team. Um, I like Golden State. I like uh, the prospect of Clay Thompson coming back, but I think that's going to take a bit to mesh. Uh, Phoenix is without Devin Booker right now and will be for a while. We'll see kind of how they handle that. They've handled it well so far, um, but I think – they're going to take some losses on the chin now without Devin Booker uh, there. Chris Paul can't be carrying it every night. Uh, he played 40 minutes off of a back-to-back the other night, and I don't think that's a recipe for long-term success for Chris Paul. Uh, so I really think Utah is a team that's built to, by the end of the season in the West, be the one seed. And I think that's who will be the one seed. Um, Similarly, I think Milwaukee is going to end up back in that one seed. Uh, they've had some COVID issues. They had some injury scares, but they're going to get healthier. They're going to get DiVincenzo. They're going to get Brooke Lopez back. I think Milwaukee is going to be your one seed in the East as we go forward. Right now, the early returns for MVP, a lot of people are thinking Steph Curry just because of the amazing run that he's been on. Uh, but Giannis is in that conversation and – I really think uh, at this point in the season, the award should go to Giannis for where the Bucks are and everything they've had to overcome and still being in that two spot. You mentioned Mr. Curry right there. So I wanted to hit this as kind of our last NBA point before we get on for this week. So this week, Steph set the record for most threes and he will break that record for night overnight overnight for the next couple of years. And, be one of those great records in sports we think if anybody can ever get to it somebody will just be a long time so my question to you is who is the greatest shooter in NBA history I have my top four candidates were Steph Reggie Miller Ray Allen and Larry Bird unless there's a name I'm forgetting out there if you had your your best shoot pure shooter in NBA history who are you going with yeah I think Steph Curry obviously has got to be up there um I like Ray Allen I like the Ray Allen pick I like the Larry Bird pick even. Uh, I'm not going to go with um, 
Larry Bird, um, but I'll go with your Reggie Miller, your Ray Allen, and your Steph Curry. But for number four, uh, I got to go with my guy from Pella, and that's Kyle Korver. Mm. Um, from a pure shooting standpoint, uh, Kyle Korver is one of the greatest. He shot 56% in the season, made an all-star team as a shooter in Atlanta. Probably should have made a few more. Probably should have been invited to more three-point shootouts, uh, but wasn't for whatever reason, or he just didn't want to do it is more of what I heard. But uh, he could get absolutely hot in a minute, and you had to stay absolutely glued to him. Uh, He's one of the deadliest shooters in in NBA history um, as well. Kind of gets forgotten about a little bit. Um, And with all the hype of Steph Curry and what he does – um, he's an off the ball player. He's not an on the ball player. And that's why I think he gets forgotten about a little bit more. Uh, but Kyle Korver is definitely one of the four best shooters in NBA history. So uh, that's, that's a name that I would, uh, I would put out there along with those greats of Reggie and Ray Allen and Curry. I respect it. So. And yeah, I gotta give I gotta give my love to the off ball shooters that uh, don't right. handle the ball um, every time down the court. All right. So two more quick notes here. Just recapping UFC 269, which was a fantastic card this last weekend. Some very very stunning results at the top of the card. Charles Oliveira retaining the lightweight title over Dustin Poirier. Myself included, I think a lot of people questioned if Oliveira was the real deal when he won the belt. And when he beat Poirier, like, okay, this guy is legit. And he beat Poirier with a rear naked choke. So all credit to Charles Oliveira. I'm really happy I did not bet this card because I would have put all my money on Poirier and Amanda Nunez to win their fights. And I would have been out a lot of cash. Perhaps one of the biggest shocks we've seen in uh, UFC history, Juliana Pena defeating Amanda Nunez for the bantamweight title. Nunez hasn't lost in years, two belt champ, the greatest female fighter of all time, one of the just flat out best fighters of all time. Also lost by rear naked choke. So congratulations to Ms. Pena for the win there. A couple of the other lower card fights I thought were great. Two guys I like on the up uh, up and coming fighters, Ty Kara France and Sean O'Malley got uh, knockout wins. Kara France beating Cody Garbrandt. So big fight to put him on the map. Uh, heavyweight Ty Tuivasa in the preliminary getting a wing in there. So these are just some of the names that I see a lot on cards and guys I like and fighters that I've been on. So props to you if you did the same thing. A lot of a lot of good up and coming fighters in the UFC to keep an eye on. And then somebody like Oliveira who's been around forever and is finally getting his moment in the sun. So if you have not found any highlights or have any way to watch the full card, go and check out UFC 269, especially that main card. Those are five excellent uh, five excellent fights. The one we didn't talk about ended in split decision. So find some UFC 269 in your life if you're looking to fill some sports uh, sports time during your Christmas vacations. And lastly, the bowl schedule this week, a lot of bowl games kicking in this weekend. We're not going to go over every one. We did a really, really deep bowl game uh, breakdown last week, but starting with the Bahamas Bowl on Friday. So have fun, Middle Tennessee State and Toledo players getting to play in that bowl. Uh, All kinds of games on Saturday. A fun one, the Celebration Bowl. Yes, we made fun of this name of last week's episode. It just sounds silly that cricket is part of the celebration bowl like 
just basically my beef with I hate having all the corporate sponsors. Just let it be the celebration bowl. I don't care if you have cricket banners all over the stadium. Just let it be the celebration bowl. A fantastic matchup uh, with uh, South Carolina State and Jackson State, two FCS teams, uh, HBCs. It's going to be on noon on ABC. Easy game for everybody to watch. And Andrew, if you watch that game with Jackson State, who do you get to see? Deion Sanders. Coach Prime, who is apparently changing college football with recruiting the number one player in the country to come to an FCS school, which I believe is the first time that's happened since we got, you know, big time recruiting coverage. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely unheard of. Um, just an absolute wild story. And then uh, you throw on top of that the NIL deal from Barstool Sports for the kid. Uh, Travis Hunter, I believe is his name. That's going to Jackson state. He's getting like a $1.5 million deal from Barstool sports to go to Jackson state, um, which is interesting in and of itself. These NIL deals have really changed uh, the landscape. Well, they haven't so much changed the landscape. They made some things that were illegal in the past legal now. Right. Uh, and it's interesting. We'll see. Uh, We'll see what comes of this. I'm not sure how long Dion stays at Jackson State, how long Travis Hunter stays. We'll see. It'll be very interesting. So big things happening at Jackson State, and it kind of kicks off with the Celebration Bowl, a fantastic game for them. Uh, just if you want some some betting tips, that's what we're here for, to help you with your legalized sports betting. Some of my good and bad picks. I would stay away from Northern Illinois. They are four and nine in their bowl games. They haven't won one since 2011. They're playing a very good Coastal Carolina team that's 0-1 in their bowl game history. So they could uh, get to 500 in one week. App State is 6-0. Appalachian State plays Western Kentucky. App State, 6-0, never lost a bowl game. Go with the Mountaineers. BYU is leagues better than UAB. They should be playing a – they were on the cusp of a New Year's Six Bowl, and here they are in the Independence Bowl on opening weekend – BYU should be in a much bigger game. Go with them. Eastern Michigan, one in three in bowl games. Their only win came in 1987. So go with Liberty to take down Eastern Michigan. One of the more fun matchups, Louisiana and Marshall. Marshall is 12 and four in their bowl game history. Louisiana lost Billy Napier to Florida. And as we know, my rule, always pick a team right after a coach has left. So as weird as it may seem, I'm going Louisiana on that one. However, Marshall is, is a dangerous team to bet against. UTSA 0-2 in bowl game history versus San Diego State, who is 6-9 in bowl game history. Give me UTSA in that one. San Diego State makes a lot of bowl games, loses a lot of them. So there's your very quick hitters on the – basically the bowl games happening between now and next weekend. Uh, Andrew, any anything in your bowl game watch list you're really excited for? Uh, not not this week. Uh, there's a lot of Sun Belt, or as I call them, Fun Belt teams in action. And I'm glad you are you're going three and zero on the on the fun belt. I think it's going to be a good week for the for them. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be riding with uh, App State. Uh, I've kind of adopted them as a second team uh, in my life, and so I think App State's going to beat Western Kentucky for sure. Should be a good game, but uh, App State's going to win that one. Uh, in between now and, and a couple weeks from now, I don't. Uh, I don't really have any non-New Year Six uh, bowl games that I'm looking forward to, other than uh, Iowa's bowl game. I think I'm I'm really excited about that one, but uh, none of the rest are really uh, appealing to me between now and uh, January first. 
January 1st is obviously the big bowl day. Um, December 31st, January 1st, that's really the heart of bowl season for me. UCLA and NC State or SMU and Virginia are not doing it for you? Not doing it for me. No, Mm -hmm. not exactly. It's unfortunate. Tennessee and Purdue, sign me up for that one. Uh, Could be interesting. I'll probably bet on it, but uh, (laughs) I don't know as if I'm excited to watch it. All right. Well, that's going to be our show this week. Unless you have anything else going for you, that was my topic list. Uh, fantasy football playoffs uh, starting around the country this weekend in a lot of places. Uh, best of luck to everyone with all the COVID issues, all the injury issues. Uh, you're probably patchworking together lineups tonight and through the weekend. And uh, best of luck to everyone out there on, only, uh, on that. Only people in non-PPR leagues get my support. <laughs> Only people in PPR leagues get my support because I'm trying to get PPR as the universal <laughs> league. Uh, but uh, best of luck to everyone playing, and hopefully uh, the playoffs work out in your favor. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next week on the Sports Gospel. Thank you.